0: If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveon at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveon4legspod. Hey
1: can you turn the lights on for a sec. We don't even know who's here. fucking half hour. I just saw those people a few minutes ago. Uh,
0: look at all the fucking tans.
1: you can make a nice couch out of you guys.
0: And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Russell.
1: Fucking camera in the jump.
0: Mr. Boom Gasper! You can call me L, you can call me Ed, you just just fucking call me one. Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And if you've never tuned in before, welcome. We are a podcast that focuses primarily on Pearl Jam and their live catalog. And sometimes we do years from the 90s. That's what we're doing today. Sometimes we do years from the 2000s. We kind of try to spread it all out and try to give you Pearl Jam as you love it, the history, the songs, and... Uh, Just having a good time. And and this show that we're doing today, St. Petersburg from 1994, this is going to be a very good show. I'm going to enjoy it. I think John's going to enjoy it. We have a guest. He chose the episode. I think he's going to enjoy it. So let's talk more rock. Let's get into it. Randy Sobel over here. John Farr over there. Hello. Hi. So we've been kind of bouncing around a little bit. We did a couple of 90s shows and then did Hawaii 2006 last week and Mm -hmm. now we're kind of on the string where the next three weeks are going to be more 90s shows so how about that
1: love it love it and like i've said before i love this little stretch of march and april in 94 these shows are all great there's so much to talk about the band is in amazing form they're just a firecracker on stage just a caged animal waiting to be let out these these shows you're getting like it's the versus tour, but you're getting vitology stuff. They're they're working in these new songs. There's, uh, they're they're just on fire. And like this is right before the Atlanta shows, so this is this is great for me. You know that that's one that's you know in the lore of being one of the all time greats. So this is yeah, this is directly before. So yeah, love it. Can't wait to talk about it.
0: This show definitely has its own kind of lore. And you can't say this for every single show from that era. There are some recordings that are okay. And then there are some recordings that are kind of lesser quality than others. But this show is fantastic recording quality. It does sound really good.
1: And there's a, we'll, we'll get to it. There's a, there's a little tease at the very end. We get That's some, great. we get a couple of, couple of tapers talking, talking <laughs> shop, which is, which is great. I, oh, I was, Love to hear that. That was
0: a nice little touch at the very end. That was very, very cool. And that's actually something that I brought up in our clubhouse this week. So, yeah, that's great. All right. Let's uh, let's get into introducing our guest. He is our patron and he brought this episode up. And think about this. This this has happened before. It's not a common occurrence, but this has happened that people pitch episodes for us to do on this show for shows that they've never been to. And uh, this was just a bootleg that was passed around. And you know, you know how it goes. Once one guy gets it, he wants to send it up to the next person. That's how the community spreads the wealth. So let's introduce Gabe Spies to the, to the panel here. And uh, Gabe, why this one? What, what out of all the shows? And you started going to the shows in 98. We're going to be talking about that in your profile episode for Patreon this week. But this episode right here doing St. Petersburg, which uh, what, what made you pick this one?
2: Yeah. Hey, Randy, John, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, this is a choice. I'm,
0: I'm excited. Yeah.
2: Thanks for doing this show. You know, I was trying to think why I landed on this. And I think it's as simple as this was. As far as I can remember, this is like one of the first quality bootlegs uh, that I heard online. Uh, had just started college and, and someone, you know, pointed me in the direction of this one. And the quality was really good. Uh, And so I just listened to it over and over again. And this is just a peak time for the band. So everything kind of clicked. There's some great versions of, of uh, a bunch of songs on here. So everything just kind of came together. This has always been one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Like what I love about some of these shows, especially some of the later uh, later when I say later, I really mean earlier, but you know what I mean? Uh, Some of these early shows, I, I haven't dug into a lot of these. So when you pitch this. This is one that I always had to kind of go back to between the time that you pitched it and now to kind of look at the set list and kind of take it all in and be like, okay, well, mirror is an opener and Dirty Frank was a tease in this somehow. Like you hmm. sort of have to remember hmm. those things. What? What are you doing? Well, I'm
1: just just to, well, that that's a little littlet what was it? We'll talk about that later okay it's a little, little tease for later stick around yeah, we're gonna, all right we're gonna have we're gonna have an interesting conversation later on
0: sure I'm I'm up for that I'm always up for the discussion but you, you know it's when you think of 94 this one doesn't necessarily come to mind the Orpheum comes to mind Fairfax comes to mind Atlanta like you mentioned before comes to mind even some of the earlier stuff in 94 Chicago that th- those come to mind but I think from a bootleg aspect definitely this one does and that's I guess an advantage that you guys have had on me because I'm sort of uh, under you generation-wise. I'm technically a millennial. I, I guess I don't think like a millennial, but I'm not. I didn't grow up in the '90s, being in college by the time that you know you can trade tapes and things like that. So I didn't have this same experience. So it's it's interesting that you bring this one to the table. But um, let's let's get into a little bit of storyline here. Because there is something that happened uh, a day before, a show before this, and they were in Miami. And a lot of you might have heard about this before. This was covered extensively in Ronan Javoni's book, Not For You, Pearl Jam in the Present Tense. And what happened here is that they sold 24,000 tickets to a show where the max capacity was 8,000. So that's already like, that's already asking for disaster right there.
2: Yeah, that is somebody missed out on their basic math. That is just a really t- terrible ratio uh, of tickets sold to, to how big. I looked the place up, it's not very big. So 8,000 sounds about right.
0: Right. Yeah. And it seemed like, you know, like, and the one thing I, I just want to stress from this is that later on, Pearl Jam would build up this reputation of kind of being a band. I think we talked about it in San Diego, how there was a San Diego venue in 1995 that wouldn't let them play there because they had this quote unquote reputation of being of inciting riots and being a rowdy band. And people look to this moment as being that. And the reason why, and if you read in the book, it kind of describes it really, really well is that there was a writer for, I think the Miami Herald or the Miami times, whatever it was. And she definitely painted this in a light that was completely portrayed in just a complete negative way. And it seemed like everything was exacerbated and just exaggerated. And it seemed like it was placing the blame on the band instead of the fans that caused this.
1: Yeah, a lot of talk about inciting a riot and all of that, and yeah, it was it was kind of a tense uh, tense time. Yeah.
0: So, I kind of want to bring back what we talked about a couple weeks ago. So we did Ann Arbor, uh, ninety four, which is uh, nine days before this show, on the twentieth of ninety four. And what was going on before that was that they were dealing with Ticketmaster issues and they were starting to just dip their toes into the water with some 10 club tickets and starting to sell fan club tickets. Not only that, but they were also dealing with a bomb threat in, I believe, in Indiana and they were dealing with some people breaking in backstage. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And what you hear from that show is just complete exhaustion. They were just kind of done with it. And, you know, it didn't feel like this typical 94 show that you were mentioning before, John, like these are top of the line, great shows. It just didn't have that aspect to it. But this show coming off of something like that, nine days later is completely different. This feels like there's tons of positive energy coming from the show.
2: That's kind of thinking. I'd never heard that Ann Arbor show, honestly, before the, the show you guys did a couple of weeks ago. And it was a downer guys. It was like, it was a bummer. They, they, the band seemed off and down and out and, Uh, So when I realized that the Miami incident had happened before the St. Pete show, I thought, "Mm, you know, what are, what kind of sound are we going to get out of them? What kind of attitude? Um, And to me, this, this show is a big upper. I mean, even the, I mean, a lot of intensity, but um, some of that, you know, really heavy uh, stuff uh, from the era, I I don't feel it in this show. So that's another reason I loved it so much.
1: Yeah. Very good. And the, you know, the, the fact that they were able, you know, the next day, to rebound after that Miami incident and come back with a show like this just, just you know, goes to show how powerful of a band they were, and they were just a force to be reckoned with on stage and off.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with mentality, and I think that maybe their mentality a week or so before this, they were kind of off, you know, they whatever had happened had gotten to them. And maybe there was a band meeting or something, and I don't like to use the speculation because speculation can kind of lead to people putting words in our mouth that we shouldn't be saying. But the speculation here might be that maybe they had a band meeting after that show, and maybe they said, look, we can't let this shit get to us and we have to go out there and the next crowd is isn't going to give a fuck that that somebody broke into our dressing room. They're not going to give a fuck that that there was a bomb threat at at the at the last show. What they're going to care about, they want to hear go animal and and whipping and even flow and they want to hear everything. So make it fresh for them. And I'm wondering what you guys think about something like that. Maybe if that was like a quick changing point and there's another there's another small element to this show that i was very surprised with as well that i'm gonna just save i'm just gonna throw that in my back pocket but uh i'm just wondering if if those aspects maybe were discussed beforehand
2: that i I hadn't thought about it before but i mean that's actually kind of interesting right because i mean they're starting that you know they're starting to grow up right they're started they've been doing this for four years almost three and a half years now i mean they're getting the, their legs under them. They know they can't let this shit get to them. And I hadn't thought about that before, but that's an interesting thought, right? You got a, a nice long bus ride or van ride over to St. Pete, uh, time to talk about it as a band. And I could definitely see that.
1: Yeah, I think too, maybe not even a, a band meeting, but like an like an organizational meeting. I would say like 94 is kind of the beginning of, of Pearl Jam kind of as an organization where they were starting to do starting to bring a lot of that stuff in house. And, you know, we talked about those, those 95 shows in, uh, in in Southeast Asia where they were, you know, they were having like Eric and Eric, the tour manager. And I don't know. I think Tim was involved by this point, like getting the security involved and letting them know, like, this is how we're going to run things. Like they were, they were, being very much more hands-on with all this stuff and not letting these promoters kind of dictate how they're going to run things. And, you know, it was kind of the beginning of them kind of circling the wagons and saying, like, "Okay, we know how we want this to go and nobody else is going to do it for us. So we're going to do it ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Fully agree with that. And and I think by the end of this 90, and so much happens in 94, you can break, and I love how the book that I mentioned before, not for you, Pearl Jam in the Present Tense, 94 is such a great year for them to break down in the book because they focus on all of this stuff, including what happened in Pensacola uh, earlier in the month of March, uh, which we can get to at another point, but uh, there's so many different aspects that just kind of, you're right, this is the maturing year, and this is the year that they kind of come out of this, thinking what's next for us what do we have to do to get to where we want to be and uh yeah that's really where they are at this point and that's kind of that's the story that that we know that we know of the band so why don't we uh why don't we get into the music here and start the set list off with something that is not an opener very often (laughs) episode it's been a couple of episodes now it feels like yesterday we just released present tense evolution episode we'll talk about that a little bit later but rearview mirror here opening up the show and it kind of it's it leaves you it's it's a great way to open and and it's it's different because it's it's in the mold of a fast start open but it's kind of also opening up anthemically which they don't necessarily do. When you open up with a release, you're opening slow. You're kind of easing in. When you're opening with a go, you're just going straight to the point. This is different, and I don't think there are a lot of other songs that can fit this mold in the way of opening up.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, this is just an all-time opener. I mean, I hadn't have, thought about that before, of, it, it does kind of... Uh, You know hit both notes right it's it's a fast opener it's a hard opener but it also kind of eases into the show in a strange way um and it's a great version i mean i think you could probably you could probably make an argument that that version in atlanta a couple nights later is is maybe all around better i don't i don't know ed's got a great scream in this one a great rearview mirror scream i mean Dave is just going to town on this thing and I, I'll be the first to admit, not a huge Dave A fan, it won't be the first time I talk about him though on this show, I think, <laughs> I think he did, had an amazing show and this was a great start for him
1: Yeah, I thought uh, during the solo I love when Mike just holds those notes out at, at the beginning it sounded really, really good and and Rearview Mirror is a little bit like a like a Corduroy like when they open, like you get that iconic guitar intro at the, the very beginning, it just gets the crowd just in a frenzy right from the beginning and I can imagine this this crowd like hearing Rearview Mirror to start you're like oh shit here we go and like right. that that must have been a really special moment yeah I love this
0: yeah and and I think versions like this and versions like Atlanta that would come later would lead them to make the decision to play this at probably the best version of Rearview Mirror that we know and that's the SNL performance I think that, that usually comes up when we talk about 90, 1994 and just hearing the song and, and you know the the scream is right there like it's it's not it's not the snl scream but oh it's 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 there and it's it's uh it's real good in this and you know there are also little things about this version like putting the little touches you get the sense of you know the little things that we talked about guess it was back in the Melbourne episode where I'm not about to give thanks fuckers like the little things that you kind of know that are the call and responses that he throws in and you just know those things by listening to bootlegs but you at the time he's just throwing these things in off the cuff so it's really interesting to see him do those type of things great open great way to get into the show and right after that Ed welcomes everybody and uh, asks anybody if they were there last night. Not a lot of people because at the time it's not, they're not the traveling band just yet. It's And Miami to St. Petersburg is not an easy trip. So uh, he mentions there are a few survivors and tonight's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be relaxed and the next song is a new song. And, and you know what, that, that's a really good point. This did feel like a relaxing, positive environment.
2: I thought so. And not, not, I think you undersold the, not an easy trip uh, to my, from Miami. You have to drive through the Everglades, I think. Uh, right. Which that, it's that brutal. It's a long,
1: farthest yeah. long.
2: Oh my God. I, I assumed when he, you know, I'd heard him say that I've listened to that a hundred times. And in my mind, maybe this venue was only like an hour away. I never put it together that it was the whole way across the state, right. you know, four, four or five hours. And I'm wondering like, did they have that following in 94 that it made sense for people to be, you know, hitting multiple shows? I mean, I'm sure they had the diehards. I wish I could have been there for that. But um, that kind of I always listened to that thought. No, there probably weren't a lot of people who were there last night.
0: I mean, considering how difficult it was at the time to get tickets, it, it would be a challenge, especially, you know, having to actually go to, you know, Ticketmaster venues and not going online to purchase tickets, not purchasing tickets to the fan club. I don't think anybody's gonna, you know, go from Miami to Saint Petersburg just to stand in line to get tickets. So that's yeah. probably and and they not did
1: the, the same thing in 2016 too, right? They went
0: from Miami to Tampa, same same route. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easier to easier to do that trip, you know, in this day and age. But yeah, definitely. Definitely the same idea there. Uh, so Ed, Ed mentions you're going to get a new song here, and that gets you in a three-song stretch of Whipping, Go, and Animal. And, man, Whipping here is kind of like, you know, what we talked about before with Atlanta. You just slide them down a little bit. River Mirror and Whipping were in the two and the three spot that that night. With release up at the top and then go an animal back to back. How many times are you going to get that in 94? It's the bread and butter versus you got to do that just about every single night. But the thing about this show that I kind of teed up before and you kind of mentioned it before a little bit with Dave is that this doesn't feel like the bombastic version of Dave. This is kind of has a groove to it. He's not trying to hit as hard as possible. and He's not trying to kind of play that, you know, big arena style. It feels like he's toned down a little bit. And that kind of maybe goes into why this feels like so much more of a relaxed and positive vibe to the show.
2: I know I have it in my notes somewhere later on. I'll find it where I where I make that same point that Dave is actually... It's like he's pumped the brakes. He's he's mm-hmm. hitting the groove. He's not just smashing. Um, I forget what that. I'm sure I'll come I'll come on it later when we. So I love this stretch. I mean, there are a couple of things that stick out to me. One is uh, t- t- your number two song is set is a song on an album that no one's heard before, right? So so I mean it people exist. just showing up to the show. Um, you know, they pro- most fans probably don't have any idea what this song is, uh, which which I love. Um, and I love this version of whipping. I think it sounds perfect and go an animal. I mean, I just, I could listen to this stretch all day. It's just, it just grooves and it gets you right into the show. Especially go. Yeah. That
1: ending where they were, it just kind of like, it almost is like we talk about deep where it kind of just devolves into chaos. And yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah. I'll, I'll even, I'll even give Dave some credit. I'm with you. I think, you know, it, he had kind of learned from, from 92 and 91, like, when to pull back and when to when to go for it and yeah it sounds really good
0: yeah you know but there have been uh, shows in 93 and 94 where we brought it up he's just it's just too much for me and I was just very surprised that in the middle of this like you know basically months before they're about to fire him he is showing that he has this side that he can fit in with what the band wants to do
2: Yeah, I was having a lot of, um, I was having some remorse last night listening to the show again, thinking like, I've probably been too hard on Dave over the years. I mean, I've probably taken the band's stance on Dave too many times. I mean, he's he's not my favorite. It's a style that's not my favorite. There's still some times in this show where he's just like trying to do fills that I just think are like way just like pull me out of it. They're so over the top, but I mean, I tell you, I've written Dave as a standout on most of these songs. Like I just thought it was a great show for him. And he, I think he was trying, you know, I don't think he wanted to get kicked out of the band. Mm -hmm. I think he was trying. He does have kind of a showy
1: kind of a, a flair to him, which didn't really fit with their overall vibe, but yeah, I can, I see what you mean. Yeah, I agree.
0: So we dig into the next two songs, Dissident and Even Flow and kind of, it's weird that, you know, we're going to kind of go this route here because there's, you know, after Evenflow, there's Wigo and Jeremy and there's kind of a point to be made there. But we can kind of take this moment and and say that there are only t- six, ten songs in this set, which seems like a lot. But yet in this era, it's not really a lot at all, because when you think about it, the ten songs are packaged in threes perfectly. You have even flow, why go Jeremy in the middle here? And then at the end of the main set, no, no 10 songs in the encore at all. But we'll get into that a little bit later. What the what's in, in at the at the end here? And I just thought it was very interesting because then you see some of the Vitalogy stuff too, kind of one near the top, one in the middle, and one near the end as well. Like they are really at the time finding ways to package things together and make the set balanced album wise.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it took the same note and it's, you know, and it's heavy on verses, right. If you, if you count WMA, which they will play later, I mean, I, I counted like 10, I think 10 verses. So, I mean, yep. it's a verses show. Leash and rats. Um, that
0: those are the only ones. Yeah.
2: Leash and rats. Are the only one they, they let out. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a very, I think a very balanced show. I mean, it is funny when you think that they played half as many from Vitalogy as they did from, from 10 <laughs> uh, when, when you count them up, but yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's a good point they're they're very strategically placed like you mentioned that group of 3. So you start off the first half of the main set versus songs, fatality song, then you end 10 10 10. Then you reset, the second half of the main set, more versus songs, another vitality song, then 10 song, 10 song, 10 song Then I think that's that's done very much on purpose
0: yeah absolutely and it's kind of you know they want the new songs to have their highlights as well as uh the brand new songs that nobody's ha- ever heard before wanting to th- them to get their special kind of placement in the set as well so yeah it's it's very interesting so um even flow and dissident like those two there it's 1994 they sound great and then afterwards this is funny here because ed asked for lights on jeff ladies and gentlemen of florida this is the real jeff
1: Amon. Take a very good look. Jeff, keep your head up so you can get a... Because there's an imposter roaming around. I don't know if you've heard about this. (laughs) Apparently, he's affected a lot of people. If someone comes up to you and says that he's Jeff Heyman, and wants to take your pot, or wants to take you to a strip club, it's probably not him. It seems pretty obvious. I mean, Jeff Amon, I, I just, you know, I don't really see him really high in strip clubs all the time. But then again, he's kind of secretive as well.
0: That's that's just funny. And, and, like, John, you were kind of saying before, the whole Florida man thing. Yeah, that, that kind of all goes into that, I think. Yeah, he's
1: just kind of some good-natured, you know, ribbing it, yeah, I'm sure that maybe they were walking around Florida and saw a bunch of people that look like him, a bunch of like beach kind of people, and you know, he was he kind of had that style early on. So yeah, I can see where they were just kind of just giving him a the little bit, a little bit of teasing there.
0: So go and Jeremy, uh, go sounds really good, and that's just like what stuck out to me in Wygo is just the thunderous vocals from Ed, but yet everything still sounding smooth. And again, credit goes to Dave A with that. Uh, usually a song like Why Do? He's kind of turning it up, you know, past 11, and on this he, he's just—I wouldn't even say even keeled. He's just keeping the tempo. He's keeping it right in the pocket, and he's kind of developing the pocket for everybody to kind of almost huddle around it and play up to up to that measure.
2: Yeah, I love I love this version of Why
0: Go. I mean, I love when they.
2: It's easy to forget that they used to play this song all the time. I was on live, you know, live footsteps because I just wanted to look and see. You know, I think they played this song like almost as many. At this point in their career in '94, they played this song like almost as many times as they had even flow. And like now, that that doesn't seem possible. But I mean, they they were so in a groove and in the zone with this song. I mean, I don't remember anything like standing out specifically on this. I mean, Dave was just crushing it, and Jeff's always good. This was just a great version
1: i love this little run yeah ed sounds mentioned on on why go the vocals and jeremy as well it gets really kind of guttural and like he was in the full showing off his full range on these two sounded really good
0: yeah and jeremy's interesting i think this would be the kind of version of jeremy we would talk about in an evolution episode because you get kind of that little chorus tease but they kind of back off and go right into the second verse instead of playing the chorus and then he has that daddy didn't give affection like that line every time it comes up i have to bring it up and i have to mimic it because i I love it so much when he does it and it's not something that he really does nowadays and i don't think he's ever done it outside of maybe even 1995 but like yeah this is this is great from jeremy
2: I was going through my list I was saying this is one of those songs that's easy to overlook but when I look at this show this is one of my top two or three performances of the whole show I mean it is intense it's um, you know and it's just kind of guttural I mean that, the, the vocals are top notch you know the hoo-hoo-hoo part in the middle I mean he extends that out like he used to um, I think he kind of did that 94-95 but I mean I count I like got my little stopwatch out because it went on for like a minute um, oh yeah And it was just so, it's just such a good version. And the crowd, um, even on the really good bootleg, sometimes it's hard to make out the crowd reaction, but I could just, I could hear them uh, at the end of this one and they really were into it. Yeah, I mean, it's still probably their most popular song at this point.
0: Right, so of course on their mind, and it hasn't kind of hit the wall that it would hit you know, a year later where they'd have to bring in the alternate version of Jeremy just to get it over and get it a little sounding a little bit different. Yeah, it's still in favor with the crowd at the time. So we get a little bit of noodling of uh, Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here in between songs. And that's kind of a, a teaser into maybe a little bit of what's to come. So we get Glorified G and Daughter back to back, which we mentioned a couple weeks ago. That was the thing in 1994 because Jeff is using the upright bass. If he's out there, he doesn't have a lot of other songs. Probably Indifference is the only other song that, outside of these two that he's using it with at the time. They don't have a big uh, stage crew. They're not switching things up on the fly like they used to. So yeah, this this these two together have kind of always been their bread and butter that way. So, uh, you know, I thought Glorify G actually sounded really, really good. I thought in that bridge, Ed's voice sounded great. And just another good sounding Dave song on this too. It feels like he's in tune with everything and he's just keeping the groove as as close to the record as possible, but still kind of giving you the live flair where it does feel a little bit different. There can be flourishes a little bit here and there, but again, like it's another one where he stands out on. But I, look, we can talk about Daughter in, in, in just the same way. It's just right in the pocket. Mike sounds awesome on Daughter. And even the solo just feels a little bit different in there too. Like, what'd you, what'd you guys think of this section? We'll get into the tags in just a second, but just kind of the songs in general and just that general sense of uh, keeping the pace and keeping the groove there.
2: Yeah, I mean, this was a great, I had, you know, I thought Dave was fantastic on Glorified G. I, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm, I'm wait, I'm always waiting for it now, right, Glorified version of I Hate This Song. Mm-hmm. Like, it gets in your head, you can never forget it. You, um, you always have this idea of Ed, at least I do, of Ed not liking this song. Uh, but you remember, you know, these versions in 94 were just tight. And I mean, this one was breezy. I would call it breezy. It was fun. Um, the crowd was like, I think it was during the always keep it loaded part. Again, you could hear the crowd singing along to it, um, which was kind of cool for a song that I, I don't want to say it got buried on verses. It didn't. It came after Daughter. So everybody heard it when their tape, you know, played past Daughter. But I mean, it's not one of the songs that people think of right away. So it was neat to see that the crowd knew this one. And you know, "Daughter" was, "Daughter" was an ex- excellent, excellent version.
1: Like "Glorified G" is at its best when it really kind of pops and it really has some kind of energy to it. And this one, you know, these like like Gabe said, you know, these '94 versions of "Glorified G" are some of the best.
0: And I'll I'll have to kind of mirror that response by saying 1994 daughters are some of the best daughters I've ever heard before because I've been on a daughter kick. It feels like every every time that we've covered the song, especially the '90s versions, I've it's been an uptick for me. So uh, here here's where daughter kind of differs from other versions of the vocals at the end where it kind of sounds a little bit distorted and it kind of sounds like maybe he's screaming into a megaphone a little bit so the shades go down part that's a little bit distorted
1: a nine minute daughter here like how often do you get that at this point very very cool oh and you, you you get the you get the tags that everybody wants the the wma tag goes on forever it's almost like the just gonna sing the whole song and then uh, a couple of a couple of added lines at the end just were very very good one of the one of the coolest daughters of all time
0: yeah I, the another brick in the wall like honestly i don't remember the last time we've covered that as a tag and if we had then we kind of glossed over it because it just got me thinking that like i think you say this all the time with daughter tags like everybody expects to sing that everybody expects that they're gonna come out with that and this is the reason it's just it feels natural here it feels like it's part of the routine and part of the song and not only that but you're getting two long tags of both of the songs that kind of define what daughter tags are along with it's okay and they're just fantastic you know like at the end kind of finishing off all my pieces set me free all my pieces set me three like this is near close to the full version of WMA. It's really good, and I'm wondering if that kind of led to the spark of them playing it in Atlanta a couple nights later.
2: Yeah, I was wondering if if there isn't a set list for this show somewhere that has WMA on its own. You know, after mm-hmm. after Daughter, um, because I it just I mean it's well it's maybe a it maybe missing a verse, but I mean you know Stone's still kind of playing that. I hear him playing the daughter riff the whole way through, right? So there's never any conscious, conscious change to, to WMA, but I mean I think it's Mike. I think I noticed that he had like a wah wah pedal. You know, he's playing some of those effects that you hear on the studio version of WMA. I mean it is it is about as full of a version as you're gonna get, at least until you're right into Atlanta, what two nights later or three nights later. That's a good point.
0: Get to it I'm so sorry, son, I'm so sorry, son, I'm so sorry, son,
2: all my pieces set me free,
1: human development set me free, all my pieces set me free
0: so blood comes after daughter i thought that that was an interesting choice because blood at the time was really sort of a a a set ender and and a closer but you're also Kind of getting to the late part in the set here, it, it, you know, to your point from before, everything just kind of felt fast. Even a nine minute version of Daughter didn't feel like it was nine minutes at all. Like everything is just smoothly running through the set list. And you know, he's kind of stomping his feet. He's doing something. I wonder maybe maybe if he's stomping his feet or hitting the mic stand on the stage, but like, yeah. And he does let it out at the end and and kind of gives you the scream at the end and kind of builds to that instead of, you know, other versions where maybe blood is just him just completely letting it go.
2: Yeah, this is this song is such an it's funny to see it in the middle of the set or towards the end of this. It's such a natural set closer. Right. And I was listening to it thinking like trying to think of how many times I've heard this song close a first set and. It just—it's the—it's perfect for that. But here, right in the middle, um, I just thought this was just a fantastic version. I mean, everybody's everybody's on. Um, I actually thought Ed was was screaming pretty good, but I, this thing was a treat. I really thought this was a great version. And I wrote it down as the eighth song already off of Versus. So I mean, they're yeah. obviously getting through that new again. That's if you count WMA, which I'm th- going to count it because yeah, I think who, we're counting it. Who's going to tell me I can't? uh so i mean eight songs out of you know the first i don't know 10 or 12 i mean they're highlighting the new album for sure so i, I thought this was a great version
1: it it kind of gave me a little deja vu at the very beginning because dave does that little flourish on the symbols at the very very beginning to, to introduce it and it's the exact same way he does it in atlanta which i've you know which i've heard of a, a million times huh. so immediately that kind of like got my attention like okay i know i know what this is yeah very cool
0: The lights on again because he doesn't even know who's there and he says look at all the fucking tans we can make a nice couch out of you guys we're about to play a new song if you don't like it you can buy the new david lee roth record we don't give a fuck and uh the next song is last exit which is kind of you know it, it's getting tossed into the mix a little bit here this is the seventh time that they'd ever played it and they played it at that ann arbor show that we did before and, and one of the things that we talked about with that version was that like dave was not quite there like the album version i think this is kind of pretty close to what that version was in ann arbor like he's, he's he's definitely reserved he's definitely holding back and this is one where i i do actually really love that pop but also when jack gives you that pop it's not the same way that dave gives you that but like he 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 hits at different points he's not like he's not overly enthusiastic about it he it just kind of Comes out of nowhere, so I, I've always seen this song as more of a Jack song than a Dave song, because when it was in its wheelhouse in '95 and '96, like that's when they were playing it almost every night, like that's where Jack really took off. Of it.
2: That, that's a really that, that's a neat uh, connection, Randy, because I think about that a lot with like um, you know some Yield songs, right? It's a shame we didn't get to see Jack play. Do the evolution for ten years, or yeah, you know, whatever it may be. So when you think about yeah, you know, how many how many bites at the apple did did Dave have at last exit? And, I mean, obviously he's on the studio album, but I mean, I, I thought this was I thought this was good. And just going back, you know, when I, I thought that was a genuinely funny moment when when Ed was, you know, you know he's making fun. He was making fun of people in the crowd that he saw who were, you know, tanned or whatever. But I mean, it didn't seem. It didn't seem aggressive. You know, sometimes these comments come from the stage. I mean, I've been at shows where the comments from, come from the stage, from it or whoever, and you kind of cringe. This this seemed all in good fun, I thought, and I, and I just thought, you know, about playing Last Exit. You know you're about to play Black, Alive, and Porsche, so what, what better time to try out some new material uh, knowing that you're about to give the fans, you know, some hits that they want to hear. So I thought this was well-placed in the set. I, I thought it was a fun version
1: yeah, I can see where where Dave would still be a little tentative on it. Like he said, only the seventh time that they would do it, and you know, he he probably didn't really fully get it until the studio version, maybe, where he can you know you have time to to work it up and really hear yourself on it. So yeah, that that makes sense. But oh yeah, you can tell that that the song is going to be something special. Like even even without the the monster like hits at the beginning, it still sounds really good.
0: And Dave would only play this one more time. They played in Springfield, Massachusetts in 94, and then it would go on to be a Jack song from here on then. But, yeah, I think you you make a really good point there. You know that what his relationship with Brennan O'Brien was in the studio. Brennan was able to push him. So that could have definitely been uh, a reason why that we hear – the, the recording to be so much different than, than this actual version. So we mentioned before that uh, this set was going to end with three ten songs and here they all are black and alive. will start with right here, start that trio out. And yeah, uh, you, you know, it, it has, it has that breakdown where they're just kind of letting go and they're the band is, is just giving Ed that platform to sing. And I really, I, I, I wish that they would do that in current versions because it kind of mixes things up a little bit and I, I, you don't hear a version of black that's completely the same as the next and and there are so many elements that can be thrown in from that and thrown in from you know songs where they're embellishing the walk outside surrounded by kids at play and going in, uh into uh longer call and responses at the end with we belong together check but i i really like that little aspect of black where Edge just kind of letting the chorus go and singing over it. Kinda of, it's kind of it's kind of haunting in a way. And now my face sit beneath the clouds of
2: what was
0: everything. All oh, the pictures in oh, all been washed in blood.
2: Yeah, I think, look, I, I honestly think this is one of the best blacks I've ever heard. Um, I mean, it it is up there. And this is actually the song where I put in my notes about. I appreciated Dave A kind of pulling back on this one because mm-hmm. um, it's a slower, you know, part of it's a slower song, but I just I thought he was really good on this version. Um, and I mean, that to me, that tag at the end, which, of course, I write down as we belong together, uh but he doesn't actually actually get to that.
0: that. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the, this little improv that it goes on I love when he kind of goes off the, the usual path like we've we've heard we belong together and he you can tell this is just him kind of singing from the heart and he's just he's just pulling this from from inside like there, this wasn't written down anywhere like I, I love when you get these little glimpses of of you know these little vulnerable kind of moments in black and yeah I, I agree with Gabe this one's this one's very very good
0: you don't belong to me yeah that are kind of right they're just off the cuff and they were doing the improvs at the time almost all the time so yeah definitely fits right in and you know alive is great here too because you know you kind of get a more anthemic version of the song and I, I you know we'll always mention when the curse was kind of lifted, the the story that that made alive and kind of transitioned into the new generation of what the song would become. But like this, kind of feels like the power, the power is there for a big arena song like this. And I I was almost just. Kind of going back to what you were saying before gabe about how he had kind of a light-hearted moment with the crowd the last time we did a 94 show and even the 93 show he broke down in uh you know there's something wrong she said and he caught he you know said of course there is you fucking bitch and like both of us were really turned off by that moment and here i'm almost waiting for it i'm like oh god is he gonna do it again and he doesn't and I'm like oh, great. That kind of shows where he is, and that kind of shows that he's in more of a positive mood, and he's projecting it, and it's great. And it it just, at the end of the song, they freaking run right through it, and awesome version of Alive.
2: Yeah, I kind of went, I I thought the same thing, Randy. I was kind of wincing, just waiting for that that lyric uh, insert. Luckily, he didn't go there, but you know what he did, and I, I guess we probably heard this in 94, but I don't really remember it, it's that whole, I was trying to write it down, you know, what can it be, what could have been, you know, how could it be, how can it be? I mean, he's he's like screaming some of these ad-libs at the end, um, which you don't think of a live as a song that he tags very much. And I, I don't know that this is from any kind of a song, more just ramblings, but I loved how it capped off this song. I thought it's a great version.
0: Thanks everybody for coming down. If you had trouble getting tickets, we appreciate you for coming. Everybody was having trouble to getting tickets at the time and wishes that it wasn't a big deal. Saw that your state, uh, that there was a serial killer that pleaded guilty here. And I don't like to do this kind of thing. And the band may be mad that I say it, but there needs to be a public hanging for people like that. I don't give a fuck because I care about life because that guy didn't. One, two, three, four, fast fucking porch. Uh, and I'm just gonna, wow, the this porch and going off before does a little bit of improv in black does a little bit of improv in alive brings it here into porch as well. Like there, these are, these are kind of things that are going through his mind. And and I, I wonder if it's a collective thought process that that's going out throughout all three of these songs here. You know, you fuck with me, I fuck with you, what else can I do? And it just keeps building and building, gradually getting bigger on every line in this. And the drums start pounding, Mike wailing away, the bridge kind of coming to a crescendo.
2: This thing just builds. You kind of said it, Randy. I mean, this Porsche just builds and builds and builds. Oh my gosh! I, I think by well, almost eleven, maybe twelve minutes. I mean, it's just—it just feels like it could explode any time. And it's just an absolute, just a gut punch of a version. I mean, fantastic, showstopper. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, all right, here we go. Uh, we get to the end, and kind of the end of the bridge, and. Uh, Here's the line: fuck 'em just to see the look on their face, just to see the look on their face. Fuck
1: just to see the look on their face. Fuck just to see the look on their face. Fuck just to see the look on their face. I fuck just to see the look on their face just to see the look on their face i fucking just to see the look on their face just to see the look on their face i fuck 'em.
0: just to see the look on their face just to see the look on their face i fucking just to see the look on their face i fucking just to see the look on their face it's okay. The, the real line is cook them just to see the look on their face, just to see the look on their face. So, was that what you were kind of saying before? Is it a dirty Frank tag? Is it not a dirty Frank tag? I, I yeah, I think this is a dirty Frank tag. Why? Why are you not considering it in that category?
1: This is not a dirty Frank tag. Absolutely not. Yeah, this is because if you know, dirty Frank obviously based on Frito Style, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I went back and listened to Freaky Styley.
0: No, you didn't. Did you really? Yes, I did.
1: I absolutely did. And this is—he's—he's he's emphasizing that—that that fuck him, just like they do in, in Freaky Styley. <laughs> I mean, can see where you know all the people got it wrong back in the day. Like, yeah, you want you want Dirty Frank. You hear that, and you. You hear, but, you know, we have the, you know, the benefit of time. And this this bootleg sounds great. So it's loud and clear. At no point does he say, cook them. This is all, fuck them. This is, this is not a Dirty Frank tag. This is Freaky styly tag. And I will die on that hill.
2: <laughs> I'll tell you what, guys. I would just say this. I would say maybe give it one more listen and crank it way up. Because I'm pretty sure he says, cook them at yeah. least one time in there. All right. I don't yeah, think so. I don't know. I, now John's got me questioning myself. So maybe maybe I was maybe I misheard cuz I wanted it so badly to be a dirty frank yeah. uh, tag. So maybe I put that on myself.
0: Well, we'll let the listeners decide somewhere in here you'll listen to this and and we'll hear the look on your face and uh see if if they were cooked or if they were fucked so uh, there you go well are you on team fuck or are you on team cook or are you on team freaky styley or on team dirty frank these are these are important questions my friends
2: this is gonna blow (laughs) up the discord
0: i yeah if anything if anything it blows up the discord so uh i was gonna kind of give some statistics on dirty frank and how it's been tagged almost just as much as it's been played. But since some people are arguing the tag, I'm just going to go through it anyway. Uh, You know, it was tagged twice in 92. Then it made its official debut in Detroit in 92. Then obviously played New Year's Eve, that year very you know popular version probably the best version of this song uh Slim's Cafe they played it Missoula that's a bootleg I don't think we have from 93 and those would be the last times before this little instance happened here and then I think they do the Orpheum and then it would kind of disappear for uh, 12 years or so until they brought it back in 2006 so there we we just evolved Dirty Frank
1: we're we're gonna get this thing completed 100 percent one way or the other. We're going back and, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make it right.
0: Can't wait to see the look on your face. So, all right, we're at the encore here, which means it's time to pause for station identification and uh, talk a little bit about Patreon. and And today, this is a great example of what joining Patreon can do for you. You get to kind of come on the show talk a little bit about your favorite show and and this is different this isn't a show that gabe went to but it could be a show that you went to and we want we want those stories because those stories is what makes the show awesome so that's all done through patreon and uh you know like john i'm gonna i'm gonna give it to john to explain patreon but then i want gabe to talk a little bit about it too so john what can uh, the people get extra from patreon as well uh that that we offer
1: yeah patreon is you know it's a way to support the show you we have uh the different tiers of of donations you know you if you donate one dollar a month you become one of our bonus legs you get access to all the extra audio content we're doing over there the uh, evolution episodes like you mentioned present tense just came out this week that was a lot of fun really good conversation definitely we've been doing the oh yeah we've been doing the bridge school episodes on there, we've been doing some nineteen ninety one shows. We do setlist drafts and the the Devo episodes that we did, where we just kind of like talk about something fun and have a little more of an informal conversation. Those are great, and yeah, just you can go back all the all the archive stuff is there for you to listen to. Uh, then if you if you want to join the next leg, it's the five dollar tier, five dollars a month to be a GigaLeg, leg, and you get to suggest a show for us to cover. You know, like like Gabe, maybe you have a show that you think is underappreciated, that you think's really good, that you just want to talk about, or it's a show that you were at that you had a really good experience with. You want to talk about your whole experience around the show. That'd be great. Uh, that's that's there for you at the five dollar tier, and, and you still get access to everything else. And then ten dollars a month is for the Horizon leg, where you you're that's you know supporting our website project. We're doing the concertpedia and uh you know you get to be kind of you get like a producer credit on that and you get to have your own profile episode like gabe's gonna have this week that's
0: right yeah looking forward to that and and there's a lot there's a lot of episodes that have been on patreon that we posted the last week so last week we did the toronto 91 episode and we did a little bit of a of what we call a devo episode that we've uh, kind of branded it as and in that we talked a little bit about studio production, which we almost never get to talk about, which is is great, fantastic. Obviously, present tense evolution, like those that that right there, that's worth the one dollar in and of itself to listen to these evolution episodes that we've done. Footsteps, rearview mirror, like I mentioned before, release, um, uh, porch, corduroy. Uh, there's a lot of the big big songs. I think the next one that we're gonna do. We're gonna to try to find a rarer song, and like I said, it could, it could be Dirty Frank because we we just kind of we just kind of went through it, and maybe we can put a finality on that. Was this a Dirty Frank tag uh, discussion? If we do that, but if that's something, hey, look, that's all for the patrons to decide. If that's something you want, head on over to Patreon talk about it with us. Uh, but also I want to make mention of this right now. Uh, there's going to be tons of content coming very soon. And in the beginning of April, if, uh, if those weren't sells enough, we're going to do a mystery 1995 show in the beginning of April folks. Like that's, that's some serious shit yeah, right you, there. You're going to you're going to want to hear that mm-hmm, for sure. So uh, we're not going to reveal it just yet. You'll know when you know, but uh, if that's, if that's enough, head on over patreon.com slash live and four legs. Uh, but Gabe, you're going to have a profile episode this week. So give a quick sell. What, like what, what's the, what's the best thing about being, being a part of this? I mean, it's twofold, right? It's access to this pretty
2: kick-ass community i mean we we've got such an awesome group of people who love pearl gym interested in each other interesting people uh you get connected to that and and it's awesome uh and then the you know the content you guys are putting out um it's incredible i've I've loved listening to the profile episodes from the other patrons i love the evolution episodes um you know some of that access uh, some of that content that you only put up on patreon uh it's a real treat um and it kind of fills you know fills the void in between shows or if you need a quick listen to something um i've been loving it so i've been uh patreon for i don't know maybe a year maybe a little less it was definitely right after the pandemic hit that i stumbled onto you guys and it's just fucking awesome content i love it
0: thanks man yeah like i appreciate that yeah it's always appreciated to hear Right from the people that uh, that you know put their hard-earned dollars into into our pockets, to so we can kind of give back to you guys and, and do something for you guys as well. So and really, uh, I I want to put this out there. I want to thank somebody that uh, pushed their donation up. Uh, Michael Johnson went from bonus leg to giggle leg this week. So just a big thank you to Michael Johnson out there. He's he's been in touch with us a little bit. I think he's going to do a set list draft at some point, and uh, I think he's from Sweden. So uh, we'll we'll have him on very late of course but this is uh again our our goal is to get to a hundred by by June because I'm having I'm having a child in July so the the goal is to get to 100 by June so we can throw a party for everybody and then we'll we'll just we'll maybe maybe by that point we'll uh, we'll have a little idea of where we are with the website and maybe we'll do a little sneak preview of it if that's enticing anybody right now but we are 13. Twelve or thirteen away. I'm not. I'm not quite sure what the actual number is, but twelve or thirteen away, and for only a dollar a month, you can help that out. So, all right. Enough with that. Uh, let's head into the encore. And uh, you know the the crowd is giving him a good good ovation here. And Ed says, "Ah, fuck. Thank you very much." And mentions the band should still be playing in clubs, but it's it's nice to have so many people watching them. Uh, but before we play the song, we have to dedicate it to the only punk rock pitcher, Scott Radinsky, who had that on their bingo card that we ever mentioned. Middle reliever Scott Radinsky on this podcast, uh, but the song is dedicated to him and uh, Sonic Reducer. And boy, what what can you say about Sonic Reducer in, in this era? It's, uh, you know, we, we got a little treat a couple months ago. You know when uh, when that Atlanta video resurfaced and and uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, any
0: chance we get to talk about that is is great. Exactly, and that kind of this version kind of brought me back to back to that. I mean, how many times are we going to bring up in Atlanta at this show? You know,
2: yeah, and let's not even pretend, right? Atlanta version number one, right? Um, I can't argue. I- yeah you just can't argue with that this this is this this is an intense version though i love i love this version i love this song coming out of uh coming into the first encore uh, you know i think it's loved some of the lyrics but it's like you know who who cares i mean it is just on fire um i love this you know i had to look up who scott i mean who scott radinski was yeah, i, I loved baseball i mean really you guys didn't you guys didn't yeah Jonah? john you had his jersey right i think john had some of his cards
1: no but i but you know he's in like 10 foot pole and pulley and scared straight like is it he really in pulley i didn't know that yeah he was a singer in pulley yeah he was oh of, yeah i,
2: I knew, knew that Oak now Hall. after i looked it up then i saw all these bands i mean this guy's got legit yeah, he was on epitaph rock yeah. credentials
0: yeah. damn um okay yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. He, I, I was never a really big fan of Poly, but I knew them from the Punk-O-Rama record. So that's that's a really good connection. Yeah, his,
1: his first band was like a hardcore band called Scared Straight back in the late 80s. Yeah, they, they were great. Wow. Yeah, he just did. Yeah, he's kind of like, you know, he, he would kind of play baseball in the summer and then they would go on tour in the fall and the winter. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Uh, all right, moving on to Not For You. We talked about the Vitalogy songs and how... Equal, they are kind of balanced, and one in the beginning, one in the middle, and here's the one near the end of the set right here. And uh yeah, I think I think not for you is this is kind of like the tee up for what they would do with SNL again, like I mentioned before, with the other two songs, with Daughter, with, with River Mirror. It has a great ebb and flow to it. It builds into the bridge and comes back down perfectly the finish at the end with the album ending and that kind of like the arpeggiated kind of little down at the fretboard mm-hmm. thing like so- sounded terrific I, you know March 1994 versions of, of Not For You I've always kind of looked at those as just being the start of the song and kind of being very raw but this is this is the point like hey this is gonna be a showstopper kind of song this is the first of those where I, re- I really got to see that we
2: me this is just it's such an interesting spot i'm not used to seeing "Not." it feels like a strange spot for not for you uh in the set list but i mean the song's just getting its legs under it you know they obviously feel pretty comfortable it's going to be what they lead off saturday night live with which i mean of course has been written a million times i mean they choose to play a song that most people had never heard uh on saturday night live but it's because of performances like this that they obviously felt confident to did, do that
0: Did the same thing with animal to be amazed too yeah right. that's not new for them
1: yeah this is awesome just like you mentioned that that original outro i i love 100 and just a an awesome jam at the end too like they they sound really good they sound like they're really feeling it like unlike last exit which maybe took a little longer to gel this one came together very quickly, and yeah, the original angst and the fury behind it—it sounds amazing on it. Very, very good.
0: Great version, absolutely. Brings you, you know, kind of the set is is kind of up and up, and then completely down. You get to elderly woman, but like I, I'll, I'll fast forward to the ending of elderly woman because this is where like that part just touched me. Uh, it, it just it gets real quiet, and it kind of it. It's not purposefully allowing the crowd to participate with it, but they kinda they kind of make it a moment alongside of it. And it just sounds perfect together. A more anthemic version of the song and kind of had more of a a driving chorus to it, you know, not attempting to be a sing-along, not attempting to be a campfire, but maybe, maybe even a little bit of a country vibe. But like I thought the ending of this was fan frickin' tastic.
2: Fade away Thoughts and thoughts, fade
0: Fade
2: the the word that came to mind when i heard it was dirge right like it wasn't a sing-along it was just like i think it was jeff's bass i mean i love these versions of 94 small town and it kind of reminded me of what they do at at bridge school later that year when i mean i assume i mean jeff's playing a stand-up at bridge school i i don't know if he's playing a stand-up bass in saint petersburg but it's just he is just his bass work on this song and this version is just stunning i I just it's almost like a somber real somber sounding song but i thought it was excellent
1: it's almost like he was trying to impress one of the best bass players of all time who shows up in the
2: the next song that's right (laughs) he was showing off
0: you're right john i i didn't put that together that's absolutely right and hey let's let's just get right into that uh we're inviting friends up on stage here uh donald duck Donald Duck Dunn from Booker T and the MGs comes out to play and uh, he's a Florida guy. So of course, of course he's coming out and of course they're going to play Rockin' in the free world because Booker T and the MGs. That's uh that's one of Neil Young's many bands that, uh, that has fallen him around over the years, kind of like crazy horse. So just, and
1: he was in the blues brothers band too, from the blues brothers movie. That's
0: right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Very, about very that. cool. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yep. So, uh, you know, rocking in the free world in 94 and like i kind of think of the 1992 versions when i think of early early stuff with the song and that kind of that pounding drum intro to get into the song but when i thought this version kind of took me back because i i didn't think that they would play it so close to how neil actually plays it because it's it's so in the pocket it's very strummy and it just kind of it it has more of a Uh, It's not like full rock straight through, and it kind of almost grooves a little bit. Like, you don't get Pearl Jam playing this type of version of Rockin' in the Free World. This was was different to me. I, I don't think I'd ever heard this from them before with this song.
2: Yeah, when I was taking you know, just jotting down a few things that came to mind. I Groove is exactly what I wrote down, Randy. I mean, it's just there's something about this but it didn't feel as pulsing. It didn't feel, I mean, it still felt pretty massive. I mean, it still felt pretty big to me. Uh, and obviously there was like stuff going on on stage. You could hear it in the blue. The crowd was having a great reaction. People were having fun. Um, but this was like a real groove um, version. I thought it
1: was awesome. Yeah, and that and that's Donald Duck Dunn. Like that's the Booker T and the MG's style. Like yeah, that they're they're playing they're playing to his strength, absolutely.
0: Right, yeah, they you know. I I wish
1: there was a video, I'd love to see this.
0: Yeah, there's there's unfortunately I don't think there's any video from this show. uh, which there's usually bits and pieces of stuff from nineteen ninety-four that you can find in the Unless
1: they're holding out on us, and that, like, if, if, if little clips from Atlanta can show up, you never know.
0: You just never know, yeah. Like, it, it, it could come up in the next 10 years, for all we know. If, if St. Petersburg does something important at some point, if Tampa does something important at some point, well, maybe we'll see it. But, yeah, uh, big scream toward the end, and, and yeah, just really ramped up, uh, and great way to finish off the first encore. Second encore, because, yeah, I from the way that the set list are, are aligned, we have three encores here. Uh, we we get indifference and indifference kind of has a little bit of a buzz to it. Like you can kind of hear the crowd clapping along and the crowd singing along with it. And although it's like, it's still desolate and it's not opened up for the crowd to to sing like the later versions are, this is sort of maybe the moments where they can say, okay, maybe this isn't the depressing end of set closer that we want it to be. Maybe, maybe we can involve the crowds a little bit on this.
2: Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I kind of got the sense the crowd didn't, I mean, my when I heard it, I kind of thought, I didn't think the crowd knew really what to do with it, but I did now, you know, there was some clapping, I mean, there were people getting into it. I just thought it's vocals were so strong. I mean, I, I thought it was a fantastic version. This is, I think I've told you guys before. I mean, I've just never gotten this one as a closer. I've seen a few shows and uh, I'm always, I'd always be up for it. It worries me. Cause I think I want to go out, you know, maybe with something heavier or something more upbeat, but this was pretty cool. I thought it was a great version.
1: And, and again, give Dave credit for showing some restraint.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. And gets a great reaction. And, and, uh, look, they're going to leave the stage and then it seems like Ed's going to come out by himself for a, a, the elusive third encore, especially for 1994. When the hell have they done three encores in 94?
2: I mean, there's only 21 songs in this set, right? <laughs> and three, three
0: encores and right. 21 songs, right? It's a short set. Yeah. You, you kind of don't realize it. It, it, I think the total amount of time on my bootleg said 2 hours but you're, it just the math doesn't add up on that like a 9 minute version of daughter and a a long version of porch that'll That'll definitely help that case, but yeah, no, I, this is. It feels like it just runs really quick, which is is nice. Which is nice that that means you're you're in it and you kind of you're kind of feeling it at the right moments. But uh, yeah, so like I mentioned, the elusive encore three happens, and uh, Ed says he's going to play one more, but it's going to be quiet so they can go home, and the crowd is not happy about that, but uh mentions we live in a place that ain't so sunny have you ever been there i don't think a lot of you would survive in seattle this song has a lot to do with summer and i thought i'd play it here because this place always feels like summer that's the truth isn't it uh so yeah this is this is ed solo and what a nice way to end the show uh the the kiss you in 155 places when he he kind of exaggerates that that gets a great reaction from the crowd and and boy ed's voice Ed's voice was great on indifference. Ed's voice is fantastic on this as well.
1: I will kiss you in 155 places as I go around in your head. I will squeeze in my.
0: get this too often I, I i think this is kind of before they started implementing this in the set like night when i think of this song i think like 95 australian tour when they when they did this song like that's the wheelhouse for this song but they they did this in sweden uh i believe we covered that back in stockholm 92 we covered that episode probably around this time last year and they did sort of a a, a pre a, a pre-show kind of open because there was no opening band and ed played the solo so this is only the third time ever playing it but man like this is great and give give this to me way more often back then because this this just sounds fantastic
2: it's a beautiful song i love it i always have a soft spot you know this is the first my first pearl jam show ed came out and played this uh before the show so this is like the first thing i've ever heard at a pearl jam show i'll always have a soft spot for this um a great version uh I just it's kind of funny a funny flip on the ed preset you know it's the ed closing set right uh which i don't know if we've ever seen uh, I, I can't think of him doing this uh, again i'm sure somebody can find something it,
1: it's happened a few times but That's very it. very rarely yeah. i think those
0: australia shows definitely have a couple closing uh closing acts with it
2: well i'm not i'm not against it because it was a great way to go out it was a sweet a very sweet song uh i i enjoyed it
1: yeah i mean it's what can you say it like i'll just piggyback on what gabe said yeah it's 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 a wonderful song like the melody's great Ed sounds great on it and yeah it's perfect
0: and that's how we get out of st petersburg here all right um three moments here i think two are pretty obvious for me but i gotta think of one more so i'll let i'll let the guests go first gabe what do you think
2: I mean, the, the, black, uh, the tag on black, which is something I go back to every single time. I love it. Um, that version of porch, I think it's an all time top two or three. It's just perfect. And then for me, um, that version of small town in the encore is just, um, haunting and I can't get out of my head. So those, those are my three moments from this one. John, what do you got?
1: Yeah, this was tough. Like I, I thought about, you know, doing something like go was absolutely a highlight. You know, you, you get an early last exit early, not for you. Very cool. Rocking the free world, like absolutely a highlight, but you know, I got to go with daughter black and porch with the freaky styley tag
0: with it, with, uh, <laughs> with <freaky laughs> you're a bastard uh, with, with only six ten songs being played here. You're going with two, two of your top moments are going to be 10 songs. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. I thought, yeah think i'm gonna have all three albums is uh contributed here i'm gonna go not for you in the number three because i really really love this version of not for you like i said before it kind of felt like this was the moment of all the early versions that i heard of the song that you know uh snl notwithstanding that really felt like this was going to be a major player when when they started to play it live more in 95 uh where you know the screams are right there like it didn't it didn't get it got intense enough, but it just grooved. It just had a great ebb and flow to it. Uh, porch with 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 the Dirty Frank tag is is uh, my number two uh, because there's Dirty Frank tag in it. But I I, I love the improv in it as well. Uh, anyway, uh, I, but the the number one moment to me is daughter. I think that's I think that was an easy number one right after I heard it. Uh, the full WMA, a really, really good version of the actual song too. Uh, and then just also the another brick in the wall that sounded fantastic. Everything that went into the pieces that built into that song was perfect. So all right, uh, let's rate the show. Um, I'll go first and I'm gonna give this a nine and a half. I think this is incredibly incredibly good. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 why am I not at a 10? Can't really tell you, but, um, I think this definitely deserves to be a nine and a half and deserves to be in that category of being like right next to the top of the line shows.
1: I'm, um, I'm right there with you. Nine and a half. I think it's, it's only missing just, just a couple of those iconic moments i think the the beginning of the first set kind of breezes through a little bit and there there's maybe a an opportunity there for something but yeah it's it's just below i think it's like i said I think the top 50 are the ones i usually reserve my my perfect scores for and i think this one's just outside that list it's it's in that 51 to 100 range of the top shows they've ever played it's right there and then you know that, that freaky styly tag is really something that, that puts it over the top. So nine <laughs> nine nine and a half for me as well. Team Dirty Frank.
2: Fuck them. Cook them. I'm on Team Dirty Frank too, but I, I could be wrong. I, 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 well, you, I'm also going wrong. <laughs> you can also be wrong because you are. <laughs> we'll see i'm to hear it after we're done again maybe i maybe i wanted it to be i, I might have just wished it into existence all right go go ahead gabe i, I didn't mean i'm anything. going nine i'm going 9.52 uh, all right but you know definitely in my, in my personal still still on my top 20 all-time shows um you, you know i just know a couple more that i reserve my tens for uh but this is really a great show i'm glad you guys let me uh talk about it. Cause I, I love it front to back. It's just a kick-ass show.
0: I'm glad you gave us the opportunity to, yep. to put it, put it into the rotation here. Cause yeah, this was fantastic. And, and like I said, we, we've done a lot of 90 shows in the last couple weeks and we're, we're still going to be on a stretch and I can talk about that in a second, but uh, it's yeah, you can't, you can't get enough of these shows. And this one is, is definitely towards the top, notch of uh, you know right below the Atlantas and the orpheums of 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 that year like it, it comes in at probably like number three, number four, number five if you're uh if you're making your top list of nineteen ninety four shows for sure um all right, next week, what are we doing? We are doing chicago ninety two like I said, more ninety stuff and uh why are we doing chicago ninety two? Why not? because it's a good show and uh, it's also kind of a short show. It's only like, 11 songs or so and we're going to be talking about the Metro and we'll probably talk a little bit about the the throwback from Let's Play 2 and uh you know sometimes I like to put shows around the anniversary that they've been played and I think that show is uh three twenty nine or three thirty. I can't remember the actual date of it and the the episode will be out on March thirty first, so that makes sense for around that time. And and uh I have a bootleg record so I figured I'd listen to it. So that's what we're uh that's what we're ending up doing next week. Uh but let's thank Gabe for for coming on and, and pitching this to us yeah, today and, and talking about this and, and also thank him for uh his hard work. Look, we're we've been doing this uh concertpedia page that We're working on and a lot of people Great people have been have been Writing for this and uh, doing up their Write ups for some shows that they've been to Some shows that they haven't been to and had not listened to Before and uh, we're having Look if you want to be a part of this if you want To write some reviews about Shows get in touch with us live on 4 Lux Podcast At gmail.com but I'll tell you uh, I, I don't know if you get much better than Gabe. Cause Gabe has done a fantastic job with this. Like he, he's done a couple for us so far and he's killing it, you guys. So yeah, thanks. Thanks to to you for, for doing this stuff, man. Uh, and, uh, yeah, ho- hopefully we get you back on the show sometime soon.
2: I'm there anytime. Just let me know. I'm having a blast. Thank you guys. You got it, dude. Thanks Gabe. Definitely.
0: All right. Let's, uh, let's end this on out here. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. And I miss you always. Hey, are you not subscribed to us on Apple or on Spotify, on Stitcher, or any of your podcast platforms? Did you just find this on a social media page and decided to listen to it? Well, now is your time to su- subscribe or follow because sometimes they change the, the wording of this subscribe and follow on any of those platforms that I just mentioned before and follow us on our social media as well. Join our discord. Hey, Facebook, the Pearl Jam podcast community page has been awesome. Definitely get in touch with that and uh, find it find it over on Facebook. We've been doing some cool things with our March album a day challenge. That's been really interesting and people have been getting involved in that. If, if you just like knowing what all the podcasts are doing, not just us, but like Better Band and State of Love and Trust and Into Deep and Touring Fan and a lot of those other guys, what everybody's doing, we that is the place. That's where you want to know everything. So definitely hit that up and follow that on Facebook and, and keep in touch and keep communicative. And uh, yeah, if you like the show, give us the rating on Apple, too, because that's going to help our visibility if you give it the little five star rating that would be appreciative and uh, the only last thing I have to say is just to see the look on them face, just to see the look on their face it's a Dirty Frank day, motherfucker. We'll see you next time
1: Not Dirty Frank What kind of recorder are you using? What kind of recorder are you using? a D6? A D4 I think it is. Maybe ad D6 I was just wondering, I, I did it on that just now. A oh, DAT with Sonic Studio microphones. Have you ever heard of them? Oh, cool. So, I mean, it comes out incredible. Like they just slip on the eyeglasses. That way, they're hands free. you don't have to hold any wow. mics. Where do you-